the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Go to ProAmericaReport.com. Get signed up for the daily email there, ProAmericaReport.com, and to track all the stuff we're doing. Uh, Great to be with you. And listen... I've kind of split things up today. You're going to be very, very interested, I think. I, well, let me tell one quick story. For Well, I'll tell you when to split things up. I'm going to split things up into what you need to know. The wink, daily wink, what you need to know. I dropped the T and there's no T. Wink, wink, what you need to know. Go to, go to uh, ProAmericaReport.com and you can uh, be sure to um, uh, get that update every day, the daily wink. Okay, but I'm also going to give you what you need to do. What you need to do, because people are saying, I already know that. I got it, figured it out. I mean, you don't know everything I tell you because I tell you stuff you don't know, but you need to then, what do you need to do? So I'm going to tell you what to do. So that's the window, wink and window, wink and window. All right. But before we get to that, I had a conversation earlier today, which I love saying out loud because it's very cool with General Flynn, who's doing great and he's got lots going on, of course, and he's waiting on the courts to rule. But he also, we had a conversation about the Pledge of Allegiance. And if you go over to my Periscope at, at Eagle Ed Martin, you'll often see, or you'll see every Periscope I do, I begin with the Pledge of Allegiance. And I believe in very strongly in the Pledge of Allegiance. I think it's coming back. I think it's important. And I think uh, you should too. But it was wonderful. I've been asking people, what's your first memory of the Pledge of Allegiance? It's kind of a good test for folks, right? And if you get people that are like, I don't remember. I mean, that's, some people just don't remember, but some people didn't have that in their life that much. Well, General Flynn, who is, I think, 61, maybe he's 61 years old. He's not older than that. I guess he could be 62, but he's not older than that. I know that. He's either 60 or 61, I think. But anyway, he said, first memory, right? It's not just, re- do you remember saying it as a kid? I remember saying it as a kid, uh, probably like sixth grade, seventh grade in there. But he says he remembers kindergarten. Every day at kindergarten, when he went to kindergarten, he would say it. Now, I can't remember kindergarten. I was trying to think of kindergarten. I think kindergarten in my school, my town was at the local church. We didn't have it at school yet. You know, we were pretty rural where I grew up, so I don't think we had it. But anyway, he remembered every single day in kindergarten the Pledge of Allegiance. So I don't know what you remember, but that was his recollection, and that's pretty cool. It was fun. So think, think about that if you get a chance. I'm a big fan of the Pledge of Allegiance. Those 31 words... If we had more of those 31 words, man, it would be great. In fact, I'm going to tell you about some other words a little bit later um, and uh, some other keywords, keywords we use. But let's get to what you need to know and what you need to do today. Okay, earlier today, there was a decision of the U.S. Supreme Court. The decision had to do with the DACA creation of the DACA program, which is a program so-called dreamers, people who were brought here illegally by their parents because they were minors, but they're illegally in America. But they've been here for years and years and years, and they go to school and they get out working or whatever, and they're the so-called dreamers in DACA, and there there is a program, a government program, Amnesty, that Barack Obama started with a stroke of the pen. He first asked Congress to fix the problem and protect the dreamers. He wanted them protected. Others said, you know, they shouldn't be citizens. And he said, I want you to fix it, Congress. And when Congress didn't do it, he, he said to Congress, I know you have to fix it because I don't have the authority to do it myself. Will you please do this? They ignored him. 
And after he got sick of waiting for them to do it, he did it by an executive order. I, I've always argued it was illegal, unconstitutional. He shouldn't have done it. But to be that as it may, he got away with it until Donald Trump won the election. When Donald Trump ran on the ran in the election, he said, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to not do that. That's not fair. It's not legal. It's not done. And so he got in office and he got rid of it. And there was a lawsuit. And here's what you need to know, which is so important, because you have to track trends. Today, DACA was the Supreme Court said with a majority of five to four. Chief Justice Robert joined the four Democrat appointed members. So therefore, it's a liberal bloc plus Roberts, who might as well be part of the liberal majority now. And he said, you didn't revoke the executive order that was unilaterally invoked by Barack Obama. You, Trump, didn't do it. You didn't revoke it procedurally correctly. So Obama created it out of whole cloth, and there was no, there's been no objection that he did that. And yet when you want to get rid of it, you have to abide by what? Some sort of procedures, special procedure safeguards. These procedural safeguards are part of what I would call the growing bureaucratic class, the swamp that is in charge of so many aspects of life. But here's what you need to know. So important. This is not something that happened in a vacuum. In fact, a year ago, the, the, the president of the United States lost again in court. He lost again in the Supreme Court, and he lost again because of, uh, of Chief Justice Roberts a year ago. In that case, the president of the United States said, I would like to have the citizenship question on the census. And it's been on the census for 60 years. In the last 10 or 20 or 30 years, it hasn't been on every question, but it's still been on the long form. But I want to have, I mean, on every census, uh, census um, app, uh, not application, but census that was taken, census document. And President Trump, through his Commerce Department, said, I want to put it on every question. I want to put a citizenship question on every version of the census, whether the long form or the short form. And there was a lawsuit and they went to court and Chief Justice Roberts, five to four again, he made the decision that no, 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 you didn't. It's completely legal to ask about citizenship. We're not getting we're not telling you you can't. We're saying you didn't do it right. So do you understand what's going on here? We have five to four majority of the unelected, unaccountable Supreme Court deciding policy preferences over executive actions that don't have to do with anything centrally violating laws. It's not like these are violations of any law of the Constitution. So if you're the president of the United States, you'd be, you should be disgusted. And I think he is. And if you're Congress, you should be disgusted. Both both the executive branch and the legislative branch should be looking up and saying, this is outrageous. Who are these people? If there's a violation of the Constitution or something that can be the courts can accurately say, hey, you're not allowed to do that. That's fine. But what is this procedural? You didn't ask in the right way. And I'm reminded of something someone said to me about uh, about the, the current state of America, when especially when it comes to someone like Ju uh, Judge uh, General Flynn or Roger Stone, there's something said like this, that the process is part of the punishment. In this case, the process is part of what's destroying America. That Chief Justice Roberts and four other members of the court can go ahead and say, well, we're not going to let the executive do what he did before, start the program, in reverse, rescind the program. You're, you're, you're allowed to start it, but you can't stop it if we say so. And it's a policy preference. Same thing with the census question. There's no one that's saying that there's not a legal authority to either rescind the DACA program that Obama started out of whole cloth or to add the, census, the citizen question to the census, except for the Supreme Court that's being used to effectively legislate the policy preferences. It's insane. It's outrageous. It's wrong. And people should be up in arms. And that's what you need to know. But here's what you need to do.
Okay, this is a little chipped. Here's what you need to do. What you need to do is know that there are two groups, really one person plus another group, that have a stake in this. We have a president that's clearly trying to take on the judiciary, take on the Congress, take on the balance of powers, clearly doing that. And when he gets hemmed in by the courts, he says, I guess I'm hemmed in by the courts. He, I mean, part of me says he should ignore the courts on this DACA thing and just rescind it anyway and let them run into court and say, oh, as to the legality, you did it wrong, which is what happened. But he won't do that. He's, he's playing within the system and he's probably right to do it. But you know what you need to do? You need to demand that your legislators, the people that are in the House and the Senate in the U.S. Congress, are understand that this is unacceptable. And whether they're in office and you educate them or they're running for office and you educate them or they get into uh, get into the next Congress, because nothing will happen in this Congress. And you say to them, you must be held accountable to do the right thing. You have to. What you need to do is understand that it's the, the U.S. Congress now that has the ability. And more than ever, the next Congress in January of 2021 is going to have to take on all these issues. And you better realize that you need a, a Congress that respects the Constitution, but doesn't respect the black-robed oligarchs in the Supreme Court past the level that they're supposed to be. They're worthy of respect. It's a big deal. It's an important job. But they're not worthy of deference as to the Constitution and lawmaking. It's insane. It's insane. And I have to tell you that what I think is going to happen over time is that the people are going to demand, I hope you're doing it, from the legislators... More of what I'm talking about in terms of accountability. So that's what you got to know. That's what you need to know, what you need to know, and what you need to do. That's right there. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got a lot of great, we got a lot of great guests, but be sure, go to ProAmericaReport.com. You can sign up for the Daily Wink there, and you can also make sure that you are uh, tuned in on all these great interviews. You can search for them all there and track them down. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Be back in a moment. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com to sign up there, get my daily email, and also track all these interviewers. Dr. Jerome Corsi is a great friend of the late Phyllis Schlafly uh, and uh, a friend of mine, too. He's written uh, 25 books since 2004, best-selling author, six of them on the New York Times bestseller list, two number one bestsellers. He's a founder and the CEO of Corsi Nation, which I was over there just before we started talking so much on there. Lots of his stuff, lots of other stuff. It's worth a, a look and check in there. So uh, Welcome back to the program, Dr. Corsi. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Ed. Good to be back with you. Thank you. Well, well it's great to have you on. And before we get to some of what your some of your most more recent book and uh, and what's happening, I want to ask you about the state of America. What you've seen, you know, you you have a a long uh, career of teaching. Uh, you're a professor as well as writing and all. And you've seen these, um, you know, America at these crisis moments, whether it's, uh, you know, the after the OJ trial, you know, L.A. riots, all these things. What's your sense of this uh, time? Are we is it being false? It feels like the, the, the fake news makes it falsely dramatic. On the other hand, uh, as you've uh, talked about, false flags and false drama can be really dangerous. So where, where are we in this country right now? Well, I, I think yeah, this is an extremely dangerous time. I, I, this, this new book, which is the plan to remove President Trump, Donald Trump, from the presidency, it's an e-book. It's on CourseyNation.com. Uh, I think it's happening. I think we're witnessing a very carefully orchestrated coup 
And uh, the, the the objective of the coup is to get Donald Trump out of the presidency. It's also to destroy the United States of America. And I think you have to uh, see the events uh, come together as a whole, going back to the Russia Gate when it when Mueller failed to find a Russian collusion connection. Uh, it just, the you know the people wanting to get rid of Donald Trump moved immediately to the Ukraine, and then they began with a. Uh, actually, have we had uh, an impeachment trial in the, in the Senate in February? It's hard to remember that, given right. everything that's happened. I mean, <laughs> yeah, COVID yeah. comes out and we shut down the economy, which about destroys the dollar. Now we've got violence and riots in the street, and uh, these incidents, which are I call them Ferguson syndrome. Uh, I think the plan is to have many of these throughout the summer. I don't think this violence is going to quit. I think it's going to stop, and I think one of the major efforts we're going to see next, especially with John Bolton's book coming out and the military questioning the mental capacity of Donald Trump, I think there'll be a move to replace Donald Trump by the 25th Amendment, saying he's hmm. uh, mentally incapable of being president. And I just I explain in this book, you know, that this is uh, likely to happen. And I, everything I've been predicting so far has happened like I predicted it, Ed, and that, that scares me even further. Uh, we're talking with uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi, best-selling author. His, the new book uh, is uh, The Plan to Remove Donald Trump from the Presidency. And uh, also in, in the one of the things, uh, the more recent book I remember, 2019, you wrote um, uh, Silent No More, How I Became a Political Prisoner at Mueller's Witch Hunt. And uh, to your point, you're, you're at the center of these things. But, but Dr. Corsi is... Um, is the is the insatiable appetite of the fake news, does it in a way work to his advantage? I mean, they move so quickly. As you point out, impeachment was only February. Then we have to go into the COVID, you know, the Wuhan virus. Then we go into uh, uh, the, um, you know, the uh, the rioting. And then we go into the economy stall again. And they keep they keep churning. Uh, now we're going to have Bolton. We have a week of Bolton's, uh, you know, his book. They keep churning, trying. It doesn't seem to work. Is your worry or is your is your book talking about how it won't work until it works? Well, I, I wrote the book to warn people. Uh, that you know, I've been told before I wrote this book, it, the chances of it succeeding in removing Donald Trump were, were 100%. So that carefully orchestrated and being that carefully executed. But uh, I wrote the book, and Trump read it, and he has read it now. It will uh, reframe it so he can begin thinking about steps to take. And we, as a, I, I brought it to alert the public as to what's going on, uh, because I'm saying this is not about to stop. Uh, if the 25th Amendment doesn't succeed right away, uh, we'll then find in September uh, this COVID-20 will be hitting the United States. And by the way, already in China, there are reports coming out of Beijing that a new coronavirus has started. And they, they know it's new because they're saying this one comes from salmon, from fish, whereas the initial lies about the Wuhan virus, were it came from bats. So there's another coronavirus starting now in China, and that'll hit the United States in about September. Um, we're talking with Dr. Uh, Jerome Corsi, and, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, I, I've written a book on that, too. I wrote a book on COVID-20, which is, I've got three e-books up there, four right now, Yeah. on Corsi Nation. One is this plan to remove Donald Trump from the presidency, COVID-20, 
and then I've got one on the little red book of the Democrat socialist lies, I think we're in a cultural revolution right now, like the Mao revolution. I think that's what this is intended to be. And uh, and the other one is about how the riots are orchestrated, and that's called uh, Rage, Race, and Riots. These are really important books. And uh, I, I, even today, I think, last couple of decisions, it looks to me like the president's lost the Supreme Court, that even though right. he's put appointments on it, the uh, the entire establishment in Washington has decided that they'd be better off without Donald Trump. And right. uh, the Democrats are planning, I think, to steal the election. Uh, I don't think they're going to succeed, but it's only going to be with a, a lot of prayer and a lot of people being aware of what's going on and uh, refusing to allow this chaos. In the, in the final analysis, they intend to have a cultural revolution such that, you know, Antifa becomes the police. Police are quitting all over the country mm-hmm. and calling in with blue flu. What what police officer today wants to police in a minority neighborhood where any given encounter can, encounter can ruin not only your life but your career? Right. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is um, it, it's reached a tipping point. I think we're, we're talking with uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi, a bestselling author and, and CorsiNation.com. I'll put up on my social media the, the website the the um, section of his website that has those books. And I'll put that link up there. Uh, Dr. Corsi, let me ask you a different question about this, though. I, I see what we need to read and, and understand. What do we need to do about it? Right. I mean, right now, it feels like the country is sitting back and they're saying, um, yeah, OK, if you say, uh, as a guy on this show did, Black Lives Matter, he, a guy came on my show, he said Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. He lost his job. Right. I mean, if you if you put your head up and speak on the against these groups, you find yourself canceled. If you put your head up and you're conservative, someone like you, you end up in you know a year and a half of litigation or longer uh, where you're at the focus of a witch hunt. So what can citizens do? I mean, get involved for the fall. I mean, but specifically, what how do you tell when people come up to you and say, Dr. Dr. Corsi, what do I do? I know you say buy the books, but then after that, what do they what do we do about it? Well, I'm not selling books. I'm doing books because. I've got to get the word out, and right. you sell them because people don't read what they don't pay for in books. I've learned that over 25 years. If they, right. if they pay for it, they're going to read it. And secondly, uh, getting educated, seeing it, is seeing that this is orchestrated, that we're living in a, a media event that's designed to produce right. fear, it's designed to produce paralysis, uh, and uh, this can be beaten. But the choices don't fight it, and will it will enslave us? That's the, that's it's that right. desperate right now, and it's that close of an issue. And uh, what the government is saying, what the you know the the bureaucracy is not working for Donald Trump. Even the medical doctors are saying they're still trying. The FDA is still trying to demonize hydroxychloroquine. Well, what's on my website? What the doctors are telling us is that if you don't have hydroxychloroquine now and then zinc, this uh, protocol Dr. Zelenko put together, and COVID-20 hits, a lot of people are going to die. And there's no other preventive mm-hmm. that anyone knows of right at the moment than this hydroxychloroquine and zinc. And yet our FDA is saying it's a dangerous drug, and they're using a discredited study for the World Health Organization, which even the journal, Lancet, very respected in the medical <laughs> science profession, they took this article down yeah. and yet this week they did the FDA right. cites it. yeah 
Yeah, no, that's right. Exactly right. Um, well, I think that's it's great advice. And uh, unfortunately, I'm out of time. But Dr. Jerome Corsi, Corsi Nation, uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi, the the uh, New York Times bestselling author of numerous books, a couple of number one uh, bestsellers. But more importantly, he's writing prolifically now. You need to go to CorsiNation.com and check it out. Uh, thank you, as always, Dr. Cor- Dr. Corsi, for some time. Always my pleasure, Ed. Thank you very much. God bless. God bless. All right, we'll take a break. Don't forget, go to ProAmericaReport.com and check out out there. Get signed up for our daily email. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the ProAmerica Report. This is the ProAmerica Report on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on a ProAmerica Report. Go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the daily email or com to track all of the columns and essays and other things, especially the ones posted by John and Andy Schlafly, their weekly column, the uh, Phyllis Schlafly. Well, I guess we call it the uh, Schlafly Report, Phyllis's name. Phyllis isn't in there all the time, but John and Andy Schlafly write this week's column, which is posted over at TownHall.com also. Judicial Supremacy Bites, again, well, this was really good a day and a half ago when it posted, or a day ago when it posted and we were talking about the Supreme Court and uh, in the case of Bostock versus Clayton County and how uh, the uh, Justice Gorsuch and Justice Chief Justice Roberts joined with the liberals and they rewrote the, the Civil Rights Act. But that's not even the story now, as we've been talking about uh, today. DACA, uh, Chief Justice Roberts was able to find a way that uh, he and four of the liberals can now say, well, you didn't quite get the process right, just like our the citizenship question on the census this last year, so you can't do it. It's not illegal to do what you're doing. It's not against the Constitution. We just don't like the process. So, John, I guess my I'm I'm a little frustrated today. I'm not a little more than a little frustrated. I'm I'm actually kind of bummed out because I just think that these these uh, the swamp is just swallowing us up. Tell me how I'm wrong. Well, and um, of course we're at the good with you again, Ed. Uh, but yes, we are in the crunch time when the most contentious Supreme Court decisions are coming out fast and furious. And, uh, of course, our mentor, uh, Phyllis Lafley, wrote about judicial supremacy, as she called it, had a book of that name, where the courts, the judges, like to have the last word on important social issues. And uh, um, the last word on the subject of transgenderism, for example. Now, that's that is so wrong. Uh, the issue of transgender people, which has just, you know, kind of only appeared out of nowhere a few years ago, it has kicked around in Congress, which hasn't passed anything, and suddenly the Supreme Court is presumed to make a broad and sweeping decision on that whole issue. Although this week's decision only applies to employment, but there's so many other areas where the transgender issue has caused tremendous concern, including the schools, including sports, uh, including uh, public restrooms. And um, the majority said, well, that's all that's left for future cases. But what it means is the federal judge is going to decide these future cases, and the federal court should not be addressing these future cases. They should be left to the people. So it is frustrating. 
John, I was before we go to the DACA case and this this notion that uh, uh, this sort of uh, what I call the procedural, you know, qu- uh, objections of Chief Justice Roberts. It feels like the administrative state and the swamp grown bigger and bigger and you have to play by a set of rules and all that. I, I heard you say on a call earlier in the week, I think I got it right, that this 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 Supreme Court decision earlier in the week that says that sex could mean transgender. It could it's not just man and woman. It could be gender. It could be all the other things. It, you, you said, I think it opens up uh, the, the likely process or is the, li- the likely prospect now is decades of litigation over these questions. Ta- explain that what you meant there. Uh, well, the question of sex permeates so many aspects of life and law. And uh, if the Supreme Court is going to have the last word on what the word sex means. I mean, anything that touches on that, uh, you know, under the theory, the really the, the misbegotten theory of textualism that unfortunately Justice Gorsuch adopted, contrary to Alito, Thomas, um, and, uh, and Kavanaugh, uh, that means, you know, that is such a key, pivotal, fundamental definition about so many things. And so it means that the courts will ultimately decide these things. And, uh, of course, you know, when, you know, 66 years ago, when Congress prohibited discrimination in employment because of sex, they obviously, I mean, everyone admits that they certainly were not talking about people who wanted to change their sex or dress up in the opposite sex. That's not it. They, they right. recognized only uh, the sex at the chromosomal level, a fixed, enduring, and unchanging attribute of every human being. And uh, uh, it's simply astounding that that fundamental word could be redefined so quickly by courts. And so many things will depend on that. You know, school sports is the most is one of the most obvious cases, but there are many others. Uh, we're ta- we're talking with John Schlafly, and again, now uh, you go to townhall.com for the Schlafly Report and also post it over at com. John, turning to the DACA case today, I mean, I'm summarizing, and I know I've mentioned to you off the air, you haven't read it closely, or at least haven't read more than the summaries of it, which is the long decisions always. But uh, the, the nuts and bolts of it, to me, it's, it's, it reminds me, it's strikingly similar in, in general contours to the citizenship question, and I've talked about this on the show already today, the citizenship question, the citizenship question on the census, where President Trump was told well his, his commerce department it's not either we're not objecting yet we're not we're not uh, arriving at the question of whether it's even legal or not one assumes it's legal to ask about citizenship since we do it uh, on other aspects of the long form census whatever but roberts last year said oh no uh, you didn't do it you didn't um, change the the you didn't do the process correctly and today daca somehow the executive authority to start a program which obama did and then rescind a program which trump tried to do has been done incorrectly again it feels just like the swamp is just getting deeper and these guys that know how to play the swamp game are playing it against we the people who elected a president to do this stuff well that is so true and that the principle was acknowledged in the dissenting opinion by justice alito who frankly is you know he's become the i mean the most valuable player in the supreme court uh and and uh 
and as he wrote in his very short and very readable dissent, he, Justice Leto said, I mean, uh, I mean, this this is an example of what is happening to our Constitution and to our government. I mean, that the president was elected in part on uh, his campaign statement that DACA was unlawful, and he promised to uh, to change that. And uh, when he was elected, and he was elected, and he carried out what he promised to do. And yet, the courts are now saying that uh, they can't do that. And it really is a challenge to our democratic form of government that in case after case after case, uh, the people who elected Donald Trump to the presidency have not been able to get what we want. But on the other hand, people who create a ruckus and march and demonstrate and break windows and set fires are getting what they want. And they're getting even getting the president's attention, not to mention the media's attention and everyone else's attention, as their demands and their uh, needs have to come first. That's very, very a very bad situation that we're in. It really is a form of mob rule that we're facing where the peaceful people who work within the system in a campaign cannot forget what they want, but the violent demonstrators, looters, arsonists, and so on do get what they want. So this is a very, very unstable situation, and Ed, it's got to change this year. Well, and and um, John, uh, let me ask you one part of it. I mean, I, a lot of times, and in, in earlier in the um, in the program, I was asking about uh, from people about how. Um uh, what to do? You know, I was asking one of the guests what to do. What do we do about it? One thing we do is elections, and we elections have consequences. But John, um, today the president tweeted after obviously two decisions by uh, that were upsetting, especially one by Justice uh, Gorsuch that was really surprising. He wrote the opinion in, and the president tweeted that he's going to put out a new list of who his Supreme Court justices will that'll pick from for for I guess for his next picks. I don't, talk a little bit about that, and I guess one thing is is it possible to vet? I mean, for a conservative. You can't. It doesn't seem like conservatives can vet a Supreme Court pick. On the left, they stick to it. They're not, none of them. They don't seem to ever get that wrong. You don't see a left winger become conservative. But what's your feeling on this and, and the upcoming election and how it all fits together? Well, you're certainly right, Ed. That I can't think of a single uh, important decision where the, any of the liberal justices have peeled off to join a conservative decision. I mean, that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Instead, we right. see the re- reverse. And I think it was an excellent idea of the president to refresh, let's say, his uh, list of candidates for the Supreme Court. After all, the list was compiled four years ago. Uh, A lot has happened in four years. And uh, I do think each, you know, and that was such an important factor in his campaign. And uh, uh, it's time to go back to the list and kind of revet the people who are on it and perhaps it should be pruned a little bit and uh <laughs> refreshed and maybe drop some and add some so that we have yeah. a new list for the this year's campaign and for we people hope to see. that it's more more secure more in terms of the <laughs> Trump agenda perhaps yeah 
Yeah, it's uh, it's tough to know. It's tough to believe it. And, you know, I, I want to see Biden do his list. We'll see. But, John, I got to go. Unfortunately, I'm up against the break. John Schlafly, the Schlafly Report, available at phyllisschlafly.com. We'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, a constitutional attorney and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. A Baptist pastor in Montana assisted in a petition drive for a ballot initiative for traditional marriage in 2004. Pastor Stumberg placed in his church foyer about 20 copies of the petition. His church is aligned with the Southern Baptist Convention, which defends traditional marriage. The church also made about 50 copies of the petition on its copy machine. The pastor scheduled a special airing of a pro-traditional marriage movie entitled Battle for Marriage one Sunday evening in connection with the service. The church opened attendance to the public without charge and used free public service announcements to promote it. The church photocopied and circulated flyers publicizing the event, encouraging church members to let people see it. Attendance was strong at the event. The church submitted 98 valid signatures for the initiative, of which 92 were church members. The ballot initiative passed with 66% of the vote in the general election. Well, now the secularists complained to the state about the church's activities, arguing that its activities had created a political committee within the meaning of Montana's campaign finance laws and thereby violated the law. Registration obligations require setting up a special political committee registered with the state and equipped with a campaign treasurer, a depository, a new name, and a list of the committee's contributors. So a lawsuit followed. The federal court held completely against the church, and it appealed. Surprisingly, the Ninth Circuit unanimously held that the church acted within its rights of free speech and does not have to comply with the disclosure regulations. The court found it unconstitutional to regulate this relatively small amount of campaign-related activity. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. If you're busy taking notes, you can stop now because these commentaries in written form and spoken audio are archived on the website phyllisschlafly.com, many recorded by Mrs. Schlafly herself. If you're doing research or missed a day, just go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and re-listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProAmericaReport.com. Go to Pro, excuse me, <laughs> go to ProAmericaReport.com and uh, sign up for the daily email and uh, get yourself lined up so you don't miss anything. So go there and uh, be smart. All right. Now, let me finish by starting a conversation with you about something that I, a listener pointed out to me that I mentioned early in the week, maybe last week, and also that Mayor Ken Blackwell, former Secretary of State also of Ohio, mentioned on, on the show. And so let me try to get this around to you. You know that our founding documents from the very beginning 
what is widely considered one of the most important shifts in in anything in America in people living together was the was the use of the phrase which carried a lot of weight behind it of we the people we the people is in the preamble of the U.S. Constitution and it constituted and not to use it was a, a shift that it was us we the people not the sovereign king right that that, that it's we the people who who at the, at the mindset the whole change was our sovereignty comes from us. We give it for, out of ourselves towards a governing uh, group, or actually our states and our commonwealth, not the federal government, and they're the ones. So that, that's a big shift. And in, in history, people talk about those three words being so powerful. But, you know, the text of the, um, of the preamble, it's so important for the worldview that it captures in the very first, not just three words, but in the very first 13 as a few excuse me 14 words okay so here's how the preamble of the constitution which kind of sets up what the whole thing is about and what's at the heart of things is the preamble and it's we the people of the united states in order to form a more perfect union now my point here in telling you that is that's in the first phrases. If you take away the United States, although it's important, we the people of the United States, they've already said we're united. So it's important historically that these these men that are in a room and they're you know gathered, they they've been disjointed and they're saying no, we're united now. So this is a big deal. I don't want to. But if you just say we the people, in order to form a more perfect union, do you understand what that means? It means from the very beginning, the worldview was that we're trying to make it better and make it more perfect. It's not we, the people of the United States, in order to form a perfect union. It's a more perfect union. The implication is that it's imperfect union. And that our goal, by the way, the preamble goes on, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish the Constitution. So in order to form a more perfect union, we do start this constitution. So at the very beginning, there is a sense that America, the American experiment, is based on the notion that we acknowledge that we need to get better and better. And therefore, we acknowledge our imperfectness. And therefore, we acknowledge our failures. And therefore, we acknowledge our status as not, uh, not like I already said, not perfect, as, as, bro- as, as, as broken, as, as, uh, as, as, as people who need improvement. And the beauty of America has been that we've always thought that. We've always thought we need to get better and better. And so we've always sought a more perfect union. And I hate to do this. I hate it because I hate to tie it to uh, to um, um, uh, um, Obama. But Obama's big speech, one of the big speeches he gave, I think it was in Philadelphia on race, um, you know, was was he t- he titled it more perfect union or towards a more perfect union or something. Now, I don't I don't remember the words at all. I mean, I don't believe him on most things. But I, I, my point is that the phrase hasn't been lost on anyone. In terms of the uh, in terms of, yeah, it was March 18th, 2008, in the middle of the campaign when he had to go up because Jeremiah Wright had been exposed as his uh, pastor. And so he had to go kind of talk himself out of that. But what I'm trying to say here is from the very beginning of our founding, what made America different was that we acknowledged our imperfection. We didn't sanitize it. We didn't remove it. We didn't uh, forget it. 
because we knew we couldn't. We knew we weren't able to be perfect. And so just like, uh, for example, I, I looked at some of the Black Lives Matter organizations uh, guiding principles in the last few years. Some of it's really nasty. They, they reject the Western conception of the nuclear family. What? What is this? But that's not, that doesn't mean they can't get better. People can't get better. They can have bad ideas and get better. We can get better. It's in our DNA. Excuse me. It's in our DNA to get better in America. That's who we are in America. And we're going to talk more and more about this. But the mindset is, it, actually, you should be proud of a country that gets better and better, of a nation that gets better and better, that starts from one place and becomes more perfect. And the notion that people are saying we're getting worse in this country, that we have been getting worse, it's just silly. It's a lie. So I wanted to introduce that. One of our, one of our listeners uh, pointed out that we, that myself, uh, I used that language first, and then later uh, Mayor Blackwell, uh, uh, Ken Blackwell, used it also. So, all right, thank you for listening. Don't forget, by the way, go to uh, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there for our daily email and uh, track all our great interviews. Thank you to Noah, our technical director, as always, and to Joanna for helping book all these great guests. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. 